What's going on there, youth pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you doing today? I just got done doing some work out in the yard. I don't know about any of you, but uh, I'm not a big yard guy. In fact, if I could, I would probably just, I don't know, cement the entire front lawn, uh, just astroturf it, just do something with it. I just, I can't stand it. Cannot stand it. But I can tell you this, all the, well, I say all, I say the vast majority of leaves from the fall are now bagged up and at the road. So I'm counting that as a big win today for the Turner household. But I didn't bring you here today to talk about my yard as much as maybe I should start a new podcast called Paul's Yard. Uh, nobody would subscribe to that. Nobody would nobody would care about that. In fact, I don't I don't think I would care about it. It'd be a terrible, terrible podcast. But uh, today I'm going to be talking to you. This is part two in my series called Rebuilding Your Declining Youth Ministry. This is part two. If you have not listened to part one, I'm going to ask you to go back. Listen to that, because if, if, if you don't know where to start, if you feel like your youth ministry is declining, you don't know where to start, well, then this episode is only going to help a little bit. So I would go back to that episode and listen to that. Better still, if you're not a subscriber, go ahead and click that subscribe button and you're not going to miss an episode. So when I upload, you get it. And by the way, big news, I'm now on Spotify. So yeah, if you want to listen to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast on Spotify, go on over there and uh, you can get them, get your episodes over there if you want to. So how cool is that? Now, one thing before we get into today's episode, you still have a few weeks that if you want to win an Amazon, $25 Amazon gift card, uh, you can just go on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, say some kind words, and uh, you'll be in the drawing. In just a few weeks, you have a few weeks, uh, I'm going to go ahead and draw a winner. So go ahead, jump over there, write a review, and uh, you'll be in the running. Get yourself 25 big ones to get uh, whatever it is you're looking for over there on Amazon. Link in the show notes if you would like to leave that review. All right, so today we're talking about rebuilding your declining youth ministry. And by the way, if you say, Paul, my youth ministry isn't declining, uh, well, the the advice here is good because it can keep it from declining. So before you check out and say, well, this is, a, this is not for me, it, it's for everybody who doesn't want their youth ministry to decline or wants to turn their declining youth ministry around. And you say, Paul, but I, I like these things, but, I, but why do you talk about it so much? Well, because uh, that's just my heart and passion is, uh, and I've been a part of a lot of youth groups where I, that was my job was to turn around a declining youth ministry or to keep the youth ministry from declining uh, and finding new and innovative ways to do that. So if you're saying, listen, Paul, I'd like to hear about some other things. Well, if you've listened to a few episodes, you got my phone number, 205-260-7229. If you would like to suggest an upcoming uh, episode, if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, you can always text it to me, right? It's just a simple text back and forth. Nothing weird. I don't send any phone. I don't save phone numbers uh, in my phone or anything like that. There's no uh, mass text messaging or anything like that going out. They're just simple one-to-one relational type things. So I don't do anything else with the phone numbers. If you don't want to text me, you can always go to our Facebook group. There'll be a link down in the show notes for that as well. All right, let's go ahead and jump into it today. Uh, we talked about last time, I'm talking about the first thing you do, the first thing you don't want to do is rebrand, right? There's too many organizations, too many people, too many, uh, churches, too many, everything that want to rebrand before they reimagine. That's my first step. Reimagine what youth ministry could be. 
imagine it not with a thousand kids. Imagine what it looks like with your seven kids and say, I don't have to follow the traditional methods of youth ministry. I can reimagine it and say, what could it be? And, and by, by simply taking some time to think on that and reimagine the opportunities, well, then you have another choice in how you do youth ministry. So consider that first before rebranding, you have to reimagine. Youth pastors who focus on rebranding are eventually going to fall into the same pit as before. And to avoid this, we need to look at another step to take before rebranding your youth ministry, which is somewhere six, you know, six or seven steps down the road. If your youth ministry is in decline, let's look at your investment tally sheet. Where did you invest time, talent, and money? Just look at the past year and ask yourself, am I happy with that? Did, was this money spent wisely or was it spent trying to just plug a hole so that the, the ship didn't sink? Uh, were you happy with the results of how you spent that money? You have to be able to look at that and say, where did my money go? And was that, was that the best use of the resources that I had? If it was, then you, listen, you did what you could do. There are other things at play then that are lending to the decline of your youth ministry. Now, if you're not happy with how you spent your resources, you must consider reinvesting. And that is the second step here is after reimagining, you have to consider reinvesting your resources into more important areas. I don't know about you or, or your wife, but but my wife, if, if you have a wife or your husband or you yourself, it, but my wife is addicted to these new kind of documentaries. And some of them are documentaries and some are movies about companies that pretend to be something to get investors like WeWork or Lula Rich or The Dropout. And listen, I'm mildly interested in watch how uh, companies pretend to be something they're not and to appear to be better than they are to fool others. Image over reality is nothing new, but it happens all the time. And yet churches and youth ministries think they should be exempt from such scrutiny. My advice is you need to scrutinize yourself before somebody else does. So let's look at youth ministry like the stock market. I do not play the stock market, but I know a little something about it. And I know that, that some companies like Apple, they're solid. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're going to be the same. There's not going to be a ton of differential necessarily. But then you have like startup companies who are like just going public and are high risk. You have no idea if the company will fly or fail. So I'm going to go ahead and give you some what I would consider youth ministry stock tips on the stocks that you should be investing in in your youth ministry. If you, in fact, are in decline or you, you are slowly declining, let me, give you some, let me give you some stock tips. First of all, invest in evangelism. I know that's a shocker, right? Invest in evangelism. But listen, I'm not talking about just having a bigger, bigger come and see events. I'm talking about getting your youth group out of your church and into your community. The vast majority of your community doesn't know you have a youth ministry and doesn't care that you have one. And sadly, this is true of some churches as well. There are some church bodies that don't even know they have a youth ministry uh, because they're either so infrequently seen or introduced to the congregation. Now, if your youth ministry is in decline, it's probably because people are not finding Christ and therefore see no need to grow in a faith they do not have. 
investing, sewing your students into your community to meet everyday needs is a great investment. If you're bringing your students into the community, listen, your students are doing the gospel, sharing the gospel, living the gospel, and your community is given a chance to respond to a living presentation of Christ. And, and that could be a, a multitude of things that you're doing, that whether that's serving at your local food bank or you're taking students uh, to do a prayer walk somewhere. Listen, you got to get them out of the church and you got to get them away from that and into the community where people can see that there's a youth ministry in this community that actually cares about its community. Now, there's some other ideas. Simple things, right? Sponsor a three-on-three basketball tournament at your local community center. If you have a community center, if you have a park, if you have somewhere, say, look, we're going to do a three-on-three basketball tournament. Uh, we're giving away, you know, a hundred-dollar prize for four-person teams. You know, twenty-five bucks a person, whatever it is, and a trophy. That is saying, look, we're going to do something productive in our community here. You could deliver food to the elderly. You could go inside a Taco Bell and pay for every teenager or if they're with their family, pay for their meal that, you know, when they come up and they say, hey, no, we got it. We'll take care of it. And then just hand them a card with a QR code to a web page where they can leave their prayer request. Oh, by the way, just so you know that even in doing these things, there's no guarantee that your youth ministry will grow but it will keep your kids around to see what happens next because they're not going to be used to, and I'm not saying that you need to do this, but this is something you train your kids to do and then you help facilitate that. So, but, but it's not going to, like I said, it's not going to actually help your youth ministry grow. It may stop the decline, be honest with you. I mean, look, just, just because it's interesting, just because like, oh, there's a new thing. We're doing a new thing here, huh? Well, I'll, st- I'll stick around for this. So this, this, you know, and once again, students who do it and the students that I've done it with find great value in it because they go, wow, that was, that was me being the church. That was me actually doing something. It wasn't just me sitting in a chair and listening to something. But God ultimately, and you know this, is, is God who brings the growth, right? 1 Corinthians 3, 7, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Yes, that's from a spiritual standpoint in our hearts, but it's also from the physical standpoint that, that what you do is kingdom work. There's no next, there's, there's probably some limited cause and effect there, but your youth ministry is not going to grow overnight. The question is, are you going to continually sow your kids into the community? And if you do this over and over again, well, then, yeah, you may go from decline to stabilize to growth, but that's going to take some time to do that. And that has to be intentional. In evangelism is not about creating better meetings. It's about getting students out of their seats and into the streets. And you've heard me talk about it and I keep hammering away. But if you want more ideas, check out my book, The Disciple Project be a link down in the description. I, I have over a hundred ideas in there of ways for you to do more evangelism. Now, the second tip I give you is this, the second stock tip of investment is invest in discipleship. Now, I'm not talking about curriculum and I'm not talking about Bible studies. Those are fine, but discipleship and evangelism are different sides of the same coin. It's not one or the other, it's both. A disciple loving their community is doing the work of an evangelist and becoming a better disciple. Youth ministries in decline have to take larger risks to make up for the deficit. So it's a high risk, high reward situation. And I would say if you're in decline, the risk is actually pretty low. I mean, I would say, what else do you have to lose? 
if you're already in decline, you might as well go ahead and, and take some chances, right? But you may say, Paul, if I, if I take chances and take risks and do these things, well, I might, I might lose some, some more kids. Well, I like to say that if you're not willing to lose a few students, then you're not willing to gain a lot of students. So if, if your fear is that I'm going to lose more students, then I don't see how you ever come out of the decline. I don't see how you, you even stabilize because you're not operating uh, in, in a way that is productive. You're, you're operating in a way that says, I don't want to lose, right? There's playing to win and there's playing, playing not to lose. And youth ministries uh, don't play to win a lot of times. They just play not to lose. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to lose anybody. Uh, and, and so the programming looks like it's, you know, based on the fact that I don't want to lose anybody. I have to make everybody happy. And I think real discipleship says, well, we're, we're going to do this because it's the gospel. Uh, it's what we do. I'm not going to make everybody do it, but that's the programming. That's what this is going to look like. And yeah, kids check out and they say, well, I don't want to do it. Well, th- that doesn't mean the program's bad. It's more of a reflection of your students' hearts. But changing the programming short term where students are actually doing more is going to be essential. Yes, yeah, they got to be trained how to share their faith. But if that moment never comes or is not afforded to them, what good is the training? What if your math teacher kept telling you that there was a test coming up, but every time the test is canceled or postponed, how motivated would you to stay studying, to listen, to take notes, right? Exactly. You wouldn't be planning opportunities for your students on your actual meeting nights to go and do what you have been teaching them is essential to them learning the spiritual lesson you want them to learn. You learn it in the moment. You learn by doing. It is also essential that you create a fervor, right? A mild crisis, so to speak, uh, that your students have to rise up to. So if you're planning this and you know that they know a week ahead of time that you're going to take them out to go pay for a bunch of people's Taco Bell, or you're going to go pray for a bunch of people, or you're going to go visit their friends or whatever that is, there's a certain, you know, crisis in them. Says, wow, this thing's really happening, right? Otherwise they don't really have to prepare. They don't have to study for the test. But you're saying, look, there's a test coming up and we're going to use all the things that we've just talked to you about and this is going to happen. And so you are you are creating this moment where they then have to go do the things. When I told my students that we were not going to have regular youth meetings for the next few months when I did the Disciple Project uh, with with one of my, a couple of my youth ministries, uh, rather we would be dividing up into teams, going out into our community, praying for people, visiting their friends, all that stuff, visiting the sick, the widow. Uh, there was pushback. And yes, I lost a few students, but the investment created a stir and an excitement that built upon itself and in time added students to our youth ministry. Listen, that's number two. Number three is invest in leadership relationships, right? Invest in leadership relationships. How much do you do to make your meetings happen? I'm going to say you do too much. Declining youth ministries usually have one person doing all the work and crossing their fingers, hoping it works. Doing all the work yourself all the time is just a recipe for burnout. And when you're burnt out, well, then you're not motivated. And it's hard to motivate students when you yourself are not motivated. Besides, listen, your kids are probably bored. And to be honest with you, they can be bored at home. When they come to church, 
my, at least in my my evaluation, I want students to to know that they have a purpose there. Uh, they're not just coming to listen. They're coming to serve in some way. And whether that is through a testimony or whether that is through setting up chairs or whether that's through uh, giving the message, whatever it is, I dish out as many roles and responsibilities that I can that they're willing to take on. I don't force them to do it. I just lay opportunities at their feet and allow them to pick them up. And that is just part of my overall strategy. Uh, because listen, you can be bored at home, but if you can do something, if you have a function, if you can serve in some way, well, then this youth meeting takes on a, a whole different, a whole different light for you. I'm trying to create a youth ministry that taps into their gifts and callings at an early age, identifying their strengths and weaknesses, and then asking for permission to help them hone those abilities, that's discipleship, through serving opportunities. Our church's youth ministry was devastated by COVID. Uh, and I've only been there seven weeks, so I don't know, uh, you know, all the whole big story. But I do know that there was this lady who had been doing the, the children's ministry for over a year, traveling an hour one way, and she had to make a change. My pastor was asking me if I had any ideas. And I said, I immediately went to this and said, listen, pastor, I will oversee a small group of students, two to three, uh, to do this children's ministry short term. And I volunteered that because that plays into my strategy is that I want kids doing, they would much rather, let's be honest, they'd much rather be serving on a Sunday morning than in church. Now there are times that they need to be in church, but there are times that they, I think when they are young, that they can serve and they will be perfectly fine. They'll be okay. So for six weeks, we're going to do children's ministry. The children will be ministered to. Our students, who would rather be serving anyway, will be learning and doing. I get to oversee them. I get to speak into their life. In addition, I have secured that the students who are serving will get money into their accounts for serving, and they can use this for camp, activities, outings. And to me, that is a win, win, win across the board. Now, listen, if your kids come to church every week, fold their arms and say, what have you got for me this week? This is your fault. Now, listen, I don't want to be harsh, but if that's their attitude, if that's their demeanor, then that's happened on your watch. You've allowed it to happen. If your kids are bored and unchallenged over time, decline is inevitable. You have to give the youth ministry back to your students, not only to stop the decline, but for it to flourish. You know, in my book, the youth ministry playbook, I have a sheet that challenges youth workers to look at where they're investing. If you're in decline and you've spent a large portion of your budget on tech or on the building or on room design, but very little on evangelism or discipleship, then I'm going to say that you got what you paid for. I don't know if you're going to pick up anything of what I am laying down, but there is one thing a youth ministry in decline cannot do, and that is pretend it's not happening. And that is it for today's episode, everybody. I hope that you heard my heart. I hope that you know that I'm not here to blame. I'm not here to do, I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to uh, bring an awakening of some kind to maybe speak some truth to you that maybe you need to hear that nobody's sharing with you. And I want to do it in love. I don't want, I don't want people to come to you and be nasty about it. I want to come to you in love and say, listen, you can turn this thing around, right? You and the Lord, you and the Holy Spirit can turn this thing around by simply investing your time differently. And so I'm going to challenge you to do that. I'm going to challenge you to reinvest your time if your youth ministry is declining, or if it's not, if you even sense it, it is say, look, where am I putting my, this money? Where am I putting this time? Where am I putting this effort? And then look at that and say, where can I reinvest those things? 
I want your youth ministry to flourish. I want your youth ministry not to decline. I think uh, youth ministries are fantastic. I think groups of students can do amazing things. They just, these youth groups need youth workers to simply say, I need to reinvest what I'm putting out there, what I'm doing with my budget, what I'm doing with my time, how I you know, do my meeting, how I program, how I do my calendar. All those things are part of the deal. And so listen, if you're thinking, well, Paul, I just feel bad. Well, don't feel bad. You're doing a good job. You're doing what you can do. This is not a, a, a rebuke. This is, this is a challenge. This is a, a, hey, listen, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you enough to tell you. And I want you to believe this, that God thinks you're doing a good job too. You're not, you're not failing in, in God's eyes. Yeah, is the youth ministry in decline? Maybe it is. But listen, that's not, that's not the totality of who you are. You're in a moment. You're at a crisis point. And you know what? The good news about that is, the good news about that is that when you're at that crisis point, you start getting hungry again for what the Lord wants to do in your life, in the life of you, youth mission. I hope that the principles that I've given you today to reinvest your time are going to help you do that. They're going to help you just get down to it and say, you know what? Something's got to change. And if, and if you do that, let me tell you something then I say mission accomplished, uh, you know, that I've done what I was supposed to do today, which was to inspire you, encourage you, to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. That's why I'm here. So listen, if nobody's told, telling you that you're doing a good job. I'm telling you, you're doing a good job. Being in decline doesn't mean you're, you're not a good youth pastor. Being in decline doesn't mean you're not worth something. Being in decline means you find yourself in a moment where you have to trust the Lord just that much more and be willing to take more risks, and take some more chances and encourage and challenge your students in a way you've never done before. Not in a mean way, but in an opportun opportunistic way that allows them to buy in and lay those opportunities at their feet. And you just keep at it until they start picking up what you are laying down. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening, being a part of the show today. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.